0: Hey ladies, welcome to the Woman Podcast. My name's Katie Beza, and I'm your host. And this episode is a continuation of a teaching series that we have started this year in 2021. So our good friends Rebecca Shatswell and Heather Hoyt will be leading us through the Gospel of Luke. And this teaching is recorded live at New Life Church in Conway. If you're local and you'd like to join in person, we would love to have you. We meet Thursdays at noon. And we hope this resource helps you as you you read along in the book of Luke, and we hope that it encourages you that you can read the Word of God and you can get something out of it. So tune in, and we hope you enjoy. Hey, everyone. I'm going to open my Bible real quick and get to the right spot. All right. So if I haven't met you yet, my name's Katie. I've probably met most of you, but my name's Katie and my husband Hunter and I are some of the pastors here at New Life and Conway. We have two little boys, Jack and Bo. They're four and two, which makes life exciting. And Hunter and I, I think next week we'll have been married seven years. I think, I don't know. I'm looking at Haley because they got married the year after. Okay. Yeah. Seven years. So, um, yeah, so we're doing life here in Conway, and about we are in the middle of moving right now. How many people love to pack and move? Yeah, everyone said boo in their mind. Um, So, like five years ago, we moved to Greenbrier, and we helped start New Life Church in Greenbrier, and we were the pastors there for a while, and then the Lord called us back here. And we've been in Conway for, I don't know, two years now, but we still have lived in Greenbrier which is great. We love our home there, but we, the drive, man, it really gets to you. And so the more we've planted ourselves here in Conway, the more that we really feel the need to be here. So we sold our house, we're buying another one, and we're in the middle of packing, which is so fun. Um, And it's just funny because this is just two personality type differences. See which one you identify with. I am the kind of person that the moment we figured out we were moving, we had a closing date, I was like, all right, get the boxes. All right, take all that off the walls. Okay, pack it up. We don't need those cups, pack them. I have been packing since March 1st and Hunter wants to know where the cups are. Hunter on the other hand is like, babe, we've got two weeks. Why are you, why are you packing things up? I'm like, Hunter, we're gonna be scrambling. What is going on? So how many of you are like, me? you want it packed up? Yeah, man. How many of you are like Hunter and you're like throw it in a trash bag? <laughs> Hunters like that, babe. You're just, yeah. You, we have four coffee cups that'll last us. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay, so you're right. I'm not Heather. I'm not Rebecca. We have had some phenomenal teachers these past eight eight weeks, but y'all give it up for Heather and Rebecca. Have y'all been thankful for them? I feel like every week when we come in, it's just such a rich word. Um, But, you know, when they started talking to me about speaking this week, I was like, yeah, you can find someone else. Because I'm just not, I'm, this isn't necessarily my strong suit. I'm not a weekend speaker like they are or like a conference speaker. But even though they are strong convincers, really the thing that convinced me the most is there's a verse that I've been thinking a lot about lately, um, I don't know the reference, but it's in Timothy and it says fan to flame the gift of God that is within you. And I have been thinking about that verse for some reason for like probably six months. It's like I we've been in the winter. And so when the fire is going in the fireplace, I'm like stoking the fire. And I'm like fan to flame the gift. of God. I don't know why, but. I have just felt like the Lord wants me to stir up gifts that are in me, and you have gifts in you, and he wants you to stir those up as well. And so when they asked me, I was like, I guess I should. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time and for your word. And God, I just pray that you speak to every one of us in here, Jesus, that you would give us your wisdom, that you would speak to us through your word, and we give you all glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, people, break your Bibles out. Let's open to Luke chapter 12, if you were not already there. Um, Okay, we're going to start. I'm going to teach-ish. I'm going to go through three sections of Scripture, um, just in Luke 12. And then what we're going to do is we're going to break into groups, and we're going to go through Luke chapter 13 in groups. So... Similar to what Rebecca did last week, if you were here. So we're going to get started. Verses one through four. It says, Meanwhile, a crowd of many thousands came together so that they were trampling on one another. He began to say to his disciples, this is Jesus, be on your guard against the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing covered that won't be uncovered and nothing hidden that won't be made known. Therefore, whatever you've said in the dark will be heard in the light and whatever you have whispered in an ear in private rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Man, that's a good one. Okay, so the first thing I noticed in this is that Jesus mentions leaven and I was like, what's leaven? Leaven is yeast. How many of you guys became an amateur baker in 2020? Raise your hand high, be proud. And I'm not talking about Betty Crocker. I'm talking about like, You got the yeast in the little jar when the starter and you feed it at 12 o'clock exactly every day. Okay, so some of us know what we're talking about. I just reap the benefits of Haley. Haley got into sourdough. But okay, so Jesus starts talking about leaven. Leaven is yeast. Um, and We'll get into that in just a second. Um, But basically a big crowd has gathered. This must be a wild crowd because they're trampling on one another. They want Jesus. They want him now. And before he even addresses the crowd, this was just interesting to me. This whole crowd's like all rowdy and they're trampling each other. And he doesn't even talk to them first. He talks to the disciples and he says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Which is just such an odd phrase. It's kind of cryptic. So we're gonna break it down a little bit. Um, when you guys... Think of the word hypocrite or hypocrisy. What word comes to mind? Let's just yell it out. Two-faced. Two-faced. Arrogant. Anything else? Liar. These are aggressive words. <laughs> fake. What'd you say? Blind, yeah. I looked up just um, synonyms. It says imposter, phony, fake, and if you look at the definition of hypocrite, it says a person who puts on a false appearance of virtue or religion, a person who acts in contradiction to his or her stated beliefs or feelings. Um, all right, so that's what hypocrite means. Why would Jesus, Jesus phrase it like this though? Leaven of the Pharisees. When I think about leaven or yeast I think about something that's very subtle and tiny and it's not even seen but yet it works its way throughout and it has a major effect it is what raises the bread it's so little but it has a big effect and so Jesus is warning the disciples right here to say be on guard hypocrisy is something that we don't even know is there but it creeps in and it messes with us and it changes us and so um, then he goes on, Jesus says in, the next, in verse two, he goes on to warn them that, um, the most important thing is what's on the inside. It's not the outside that matters and that what is, well, nothing that is covered won't be uncovered. Nothing is hidden, won't be made known, which I just think is so funny because you know, the verse that says, whatever is in the dark will be brought to light. I don't know about you guys, but when I was little and I heard that verse, I had imagined that the Lord, when we got to heaven, he'd be like, all right, put the screen down. All right, here's all the bad things Katie did. We're going to bring these to light. And I was literally afraid that that was going to be how God did things, but that's not what he does. But it just means that we think that our motives and even sin can stay hidden, but it can't. And eventually it does come to light. Um... And so I was following Rebecca and Heather's suggestion and I went to blueletterbible.org and was just looking at the meaning of uh, some of the information behind this verse. And Matthew Henry is one of the commentators. He writes commentaries. And he said something that I thought was interesting that I wanted to share with you guys. He said, Christ's disciples were for all we know, the best men in the world at the time, yet they still had to be warned about hypocrisy. They were following Jesus physically from town to town every single day. And he still was like, hey, be careful. And so how much more do we need this caution? So I just wanna encourage you, if you hear that verse that what is hidden will be brought to light, and it maybe makes you a little anxious, like, ooh, I hope people don't find out about blah, blah, blah. Then I just wanna encourage you that maybe that's a sign that the Holy Spirit will want you to get right with him on something. And I promise you that as long as we follow Jesus, we will always have something to go to him with, a motive of the heart, a bad attitude, a pattern that you didn't even realize you slipped into. And so, you know, there's a, what is it, James 5, James 5 something says, confess your sins to one another, confess your sins to God and you'll be forgiven and confess your sins to one another and you'll be healed. And so if you do feel like there's something in your heart that you don't want to be brought to light, then let me encourage you to first confess to God, tell him you wanna have a pure heart before him and then confess to a friend. And that's when healing comes. So, all right, let's keep going in Luke 12. We're gonna move on to the next section Um, verses four through seven. All right, this one is titled Fear God in my Bible. It says, I say to you, my friends, don't fear those who kill the body and after that can do nothing more. But I will show you the one to fear. Fear him who has authority to throw people into hell after death. Wow. Yes, I say to you, this is the one to fear. Aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet one of them, not one of them, is forgotten in God's sight? Indeed, the hairs on your head are all counted. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Okay, I want you guys to circle the word one when it says, fear him. I say to you, this is the one to fear. Do, y'all, do your Bible say it that way? Or is there another Yeah. So fear God. So as I was reading this, I really felt like the Lord was kind of showing me that we have two options in life. We can fear God or we can fear man. And I don't know if you guys have heard of that phrase, fear of man, but it's actually something that scripture does talk about. Scripture compares fearing God and fearing man. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And it's just the idea that when you consider and are led by and maybe even consumed by the fear of man, meaning what other people think of you, it is a snare. It is not a safe place to live. And it's a snare is a trap, meaning that it can eventually bring harm to your life. But the fear of the Lord is a safe place to live. And that means that your eyes are fixed on him. He is the one that you want, you want his approval. You want to go to him at the end of the day and go, God, did I handle that situation right? He's the judge. So, you know, um, I feel like when you think about our world right now, so much of, of the way we measure life really is based on what do other people think. And you can be the type of person that really doesn't care, but it's easy to get wrapped up in it. Um, You know, social media is how many likes you're getting, how many followers you're getting. And um, I just think it's a measuring stick that we don't want to use. But if I can be honest with you, if we're talking about just like really caring about what people think and comparing the fear of God and the fear of man, there was a time when I was so so, so consumed with what people think of me. And I would say it was like probably most of high school and then most of college. And I'm not saying like I cared, it consumed me. And it was a legitimate problem. Can anyone relate? Yes, okay, good. Like I remember I went to a little Christian school and we had to learn how to do, we had to do a sermon in the ninth grade. What in the world? Why was I doing a sermon in the ninth grade? But I had to do a sermon in the ninth grade. We worked on it all semester. And I remember being physically sick, knowing that people were going to be looking at me as I stood up here, that they were gonna be thinking thoughts about me and analyzing me. What did they think? Were they gonna like me? Were they gonna approve? It like ate me up. And then I can remember, I had this really vivid memory of being in class and my teacher calling on me to go like do a problem on the board. And I am not a mathematician by any means, but it was not like a complicated situation. And I just remember like, I can see myself at the marker board cannot even function, can't even solve the problem. Blushing from head to toe, breaking out in a sweat like Rebecca talks about, like literally can't function because I'm so consumed with what people think. And then this is a ridiculous story I was telling Rebecca yesterday. I used to run track and I remember before my first track meet, I was so anxious. And I remember like being on my bed, I can't really demonstrate it because I might break my ankle. I tried to break my ankle. I would jump off of my bed onto my ankle and I did it over and over and over again because in my mind, breaking my ankle and not running my track meet was better than all my friends watching me run my track meet. I was like that just consumed. And I mean, I'm not like that now, to be honest. And it's like, where did where, where where was the turning point? I haven't tried to break my ankle recently, and I really like. I think back, and in elev I was in Elevation for a while, and um, in college I came to New Life in Conway, got involved in Elevation, which is our college ministry. I remember going on a retreat. And there was a moment where a speaker gave a message and then there was worship afterwards. And something about it really challenged me. And I remember being in the back of this pavilion and I wanted to worship God so bad. Like just that feeling where you're like, well, I, I, I want to, I want to. And I remember like being so consumed with, but what does he think? And what do these new friends think? And are they gonna be okay? Are they gonna judge me? And it was just like, I kind of have one of those moments where it was like, Who cares? I'm doing it. And I remember raising my hands in worship. And it's not even about raising my hands necessarily, but it was just a moment where it was like, I'm going to do it afraid and I'm not going to care what people think. And I really feel like that was a turning point for me. Um, And it took a lot of moments like that, doing things afraid that really brought me from a place of being consumed with what people think of me to getting to a place where that's like, I don't care. I don't care if y'all don't like my shoes today. I like them. So if I could say anything today, I would just ask you to think about, is there something that you think God might be asking you to do that you are worried about? What do other people think of me? Like it could be having a conversation with a friend and saying, how's your marriage? Or how's your purity. And what are you looking at? It could be leading a life group. It could be I don't know. I ran out of examples. But <laughs> I mean, I'm sure y'all are thinking of something personally. But I would just say there is no better place of freedom than doing what God wants you to do and not being consumed with what people think. And eventually you get to a place where it's like, "I don't care." And that's a good thing to be. Um and it's just so freeing to live uh, considering what the Lord wants for your life more than anything. Okay, last section of scripture we're gonna look at is Luke 12, through 34. Um, this is a longer section. So <clears throat> I'm gonna read it real quick. And it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, "'Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, "'what you will eat or about the body "'or what you will wear. "'For life is more than food and body more than clothing. "'Consider the ravens.'" This is our memory verse, right? "'Consider the ravens. "'They don't sow or reap. "'They don't have a storeroom or a barn, "'yet God feeds them. "'Aren't you worth much more than the birds? "'Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? "'If then you're not able to do even a little thing, "'why worry about the rest?'' Consider the wildflowers. I mean, consider how they grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God closed the grass, which is in the field today and thrown into the fire furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? Don't strive for what you should eat, what you should drink, and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and all these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Excuse me. It says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old, which is an inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Okay, such a great section of scripture and I'm curious to know if y'all have a heading, but my heading says the cure for anxiety. Does anyone else have anything good like that? Anything different? Do not worry. worry. Okay. Man, when I read the cure for anxiety, I was like, ooh, we probably should read this because man, I was talking to, we were in a meeting yesterday and Angie brought up just how 2020 has been so uh, stressful to say the least. Now it's 2021. But from what i have heard and what angie was saying is that like people are lining up in droves to get counseling and therapy and obviously that is good and helpful but i wanted us to make sure we see scripture on that too and so jesus here addresses anxiety um and man when i was reading this i can relate with this a lot because it's like where do where are you getting your food where are you getting your clothes What are you doing day to day? And I don't know if I was like this before I had kids, but I'm definitely like it now because I'm thinking about lunches. What are y'all wearing? Why are there holes in that? Why don't you want that applesauce? What's for dinner? Where did all our food go? Why do I have to go back to Kroger again? Um, And I was talking to Rebecca about this yesterday or the day before. And she was saying how, she was like, I feel like this section of scripture basically is saying that when we are so consumed with the day to day things, what we're eating, what we're drinking, where is provision coming from? We get really fixated on that and it takes up brain space. But what God wants us to do, this is what he's saying. Don't worry, I've got you. I am a good father. I'm going to provide the basic things for you so that you can take that worry shelf it. And then you have brain space and capacity to think about the kingdom of God. That very last little section, verse 31, seek his kingdom first and all these things will be provided for you. That's a promise. And that's something to stand on knowing that we don't have to worry about the day-to-day things and that God will provide, um, And, you know, it gives us the brain space and the capacity to think about the people in front of us and how we can help meet their needs and how we can check on them and how we can invite them to things. Um, So once again, I was in the commentary looking for something, just seeing that part that says, do not be anxious. I was like, I feel like that's pretty straightforward, but can you tell us more, Matthew Henry? I need to know how. So Matthew Henry says, I actually thought this was really interesting. Um when it talks about don't be anxious its his commentary on that says be even and steady and have your hearts fixed let not your minds be continually perplexed between hope and fear i thought that was so so good because it's such a picture of even you know as believers it's so easy You want to have hope. Hope is the anchor for our soul. We want to believe that God is coming through, even like what Abby was talking about in a specific diagnosis scenario. You want to have hope, but yet we're pulled from hope into fear, hope into fear. And it's such a picture of being tossed to and fro. And so I just, I read that in a British accent. Let not your minds. Actually, I can't do the British thing right now. Let not your minds be continually perplexed between hope and fear. I've been watching a British show, so everything is more British now. Um, But how do we not waver between hope and fear? I just think practically, you know, we can get on a really quick snowball of what if, and when the negative thought starts, the negative thought almost can't stop, And, you know, when I was little, my mom would be like, just think about happy things. And I remember laying in bed and being really fearful of like bugs and snakes and stuff. And I'd be like, birthday cake. I love birthday cake. I love cake with candles. And it like helped me get the images of bugs out of my mind. I know that's really weird, but but practically, like as an adult, I'm like, that's really good, actually. And so when you get, that's why we encourage you guys to... Memorize scripture like we need the word of God in us because we're all going to get on the the pattern of I'm just worrying. I'm just worrying about that. What if this? What if this? Or I'm just fearful or I'm just thinking about what they're thinking about me. And we have to learn to stop that. And the practical way to stop that is to just speak scripture out. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. God, thank you that you guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God, thank you that you clothe us like the flowers in the field. You know, just knowing scripture helps stop the negative cycles. So I'm gonna close. As I was studying this, I really felt like these were some good themes for women, honestly. I'm so thankful that Jesus addresses these things because I can relate with all of them. Um, and I know that we each struggle. We not, may not currently be struggling it, with it, but from time to time, we can all struggle with anxiety or worrying about our lives or even caring what other people think of us. So if you relate with one of these subjects, would you raise your hand? I'm raising my hand. Okay, let's pray then. Father God, thank you so much for these women and that even in our tendencies to be anxious or to worry or to be fearful about what other people think, God, that you provide a solution. And so I just pray over these ladies right now. um, God, for anyone that's feeling anxious, I just pray, Jesus, that they would be reminded that you've not given them a spirit of fear, God, and that you guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and that they would be bold as lions, God, and that we would not worry about um, what's coming in our lives, where provision is coming from, but God, that we would be women that stand firm and put our trust in you, that we know that you're our provider from the littlest things to the biggest things, and that we would walk it out in day-to-day life, God, believing and trusting in you. And God, I just pray for even those of us who relate with the thing I talked about with the fear of man, God, that we would not be um, focused or fixed on what other people think of us, but God, I just pray you would grab our faces and turn them toward you and that we would realize that at the end of the day, serving you, pleasing you, following you, Obeying you in everything is worth so much more than what anyone else would think of us. And God, we just declare that we are gonna be fixed on you. I pray blessing over these ladies in Jesus' name, amen.